Welcome to the Jeff Gross Podcast. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes. All right, welcome everyone. We have another very special guest today. It's actually not just a legend of the game, legend of the Premier League, but he is he is a good friend from, I guess, I mean, 15 years ago, I think we first met Anton. So it's been a while, man, but great to see you. Thank you so much for coming on. No problem, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man, 15 years strong, bro. It's a long time ago, but you say you're not just talking to someone who played the game, you're talking to a friend, man, and I'm happy to be here. Yeah, well, well, thank you for making the time. I know we've been back and forth, and obviously the time zone's not super easy, and you got your you got your family, you're busy, you're 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 doing commentary, you're in the mix, and you're you got you're building business. So yeah, different time of life. We got kids now, and uh yeah, I just kind of wanna dive in and and those that may not know you, because this is a you know podcast that primarily poker related driven a lot of professional poker players we also do dive into a lot of different worlds uh sports included so you know i'm i'm obviously you know i played in college we have a mutual friend io who is how i know you um you know maybe give a little background first before we kind of start asking some questions and we go through your career but let everyone know who you are you know you i know you're from peckham southeast london and uh maybe give a little background on who you are and what you um you know what you've been up to and and Give me your whole life um, like a minute or two, basically. Okay, no problem. Uh, I'm Anton Ferdinand. I've played 11, year 11, 12 years in the English Premier League for clubs such as West Ham United, uh, Sunderland and QPR. Um, I grew up in in Peckham, South East London, which um, to us in England is, is, is like the ghetto. Uh, you call it the ghetto, so... Uh, 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 um, an area that wasn't well to do. Um, there was a lot of crime, a lot of knife, gun crime, where I grew up, and I was able to to stay out of that and able to pave a way into football and have a career. Um, you know, since since retiring, as, as Jeff alluded to earlier, I've got uh, two children, one on the way, um, a beautiful wife, and and, and a lovely family. Um, I'm now trying to build businesses. I've got my own football academy. I work for a football agency trying to um, give back my knowledge to um, the next generation of, of football players, trying to steer them on the right path so they can not make the mistakes that I made as, as a player. Um, it's obviously a lot harder now because of the social media aspect, um, but I'm sure we're going to get into it. I was... I was part of the social media before the social media began. And there's a story that will tell you that um, just based on, on, on the web, uh, which got me into trouble. Um, but as I said, given my my insight and my knowledge to the next generation of, of football players to make sure they have the best possible chance to become the best possible them. Yeah, amazing stuff. And I mean, as you mentioned back, there was, there was sort of a, well, there was an issue as well with, Back in the day, I guess, you know, you, you were on a, I don't know, are you alluding to, you're talking about the one where you went to South Carolina? Are you talking about that? Yeah. Where, yeah. yeah, so that was, that was crazy because just to give a little context, one of my very close friends from a long time uh, at South Carolina, I played soccer. I didn't really play. I was, I was on, I was, you know, left bench, but I was on the team and, and my friend Io, who grew up with you and played in the West Ham Academy, he went 
didn't make it to the full team, played over at South Carolina. And then I got to come over a few times. I would actually, you know, just to give people some context too, like I barely, I'd never met you. And, you know, I came over to London. I was staying on your couch or in your, in your, at your place in, in, in London. It was pretty crazy, right? We'd come there, you know, go out, we'd have a good time and, and go to the games. And it was, you know, you guys are mega stars over there. If, uh, again, not so much of a dominant uh, football um, English Premier League player. Like for my people might not understand as much how big really it is over there right now. I think people are understanding. We'll just call it soccer for, for USA. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's huge. It's massive. It's like being in the NFL. And it's, it's the show. It's the best league in the world, the EPL, um, you know, and, and that was that was just crazy, crazy times. A lot of great memories. And really, again, just appreciate you for you know always being generous to me, kind. It's like when I was there, I felt like I knew you for a long time. You were just, you know, included me, took me out. I was, we were at the in the, the box going out at night, taking care of stuff like it was, you know, again, very appreciative. And, Really, uh, really some great memories. So um, that, that was amazing. And, you know, just again, to give people some context that you did play, you have played at the highest level, you played in a bunch of different leagues. And I, I guess I, my, one of my big questions is, you know, what that was like, what kind of pressure is that like to come in in the youth system at a major academy? I think I saw a statistic, it's like 3% of the players make it to a club, right? Something like that. If you play in a youth system to make it to the first team. Yeah. What is that like yeah. mentally? Um, you know, what is that a lot? Of, is it fun? And at what point does it maybe become a lot of pressure where you're like looking around, you got your, your friends who know may make it to the biggest stage and some are not and going to go to university somewhere or, you know, play in a third, fourth, fifth division team or get a regular job. Like, was it was it always fun or when did it shift to like, this is serious? Like, I don't I, I don't know if I'm going to make it. How, how is that experience coming up? Um, well, when I turned age uh, 15, 14, 15, you sign a two-year contract um, with your with your academy club. So I signed a two-year contract with West Ham. They called it schoolboy forms. Um, and after that, that's when, when you get to 16 is when you leave school in England and you become a full-time, it becomes a full-time job at the age of 16 when you leave school. Um, but just before that, I didn't think I was going to get the contract at 16. Um, so I wasn't sure if I wanted to play football because I wasn't sure if I was going to get the contract. And I, I was willing, I was ready to give it up. I was ready to, to to try and do singing or whatever it is that else I wanted to do. Uh, but my, my, my father gave me probably the best advice. Um, he said to me, Anton, look, you see, like singing, you can do that after football, but you can't do football after singing. So I suggest you try with football. If you get the, co- the contract with football, try and if it doesn't work out, then sing. If if you don't, you, if you do get a contract, you can sing after. If you don't get a contract, you can try singing now, basically. Um, and I've got the contract. And as you know, Jeff, um, my older brother is is a worldwide superstar uh, through through soccer, um, and he uh, he won everything. He was the best. In his position, in our position in football, um, so having him and he came up through the ranks at West Ham too as a kid. So having him as my older brother, the pressure was already there. Um, I think, um, and as you know, Io, he was in the the uh, academy with me. He he didn't make it as a footballer. He was a very very good footballer, but never made it as a footballer. I think the difference was. Um, for me, I think it wasn't even a case of I worked harder than him. It wasn't a case that I worked harder than him. Um, I got a bit of luck 
in terms of like people getting injured around me. He had quite a few injuries which hindered him. Um, but I got that luck where people around me in my position were getting injured and I wasn't. Um, and with the work ethic I had to try and be the best and want to be the best, um, and the coaches pushing me um, more than some of the others, I would say, I was able to get that opportunity. Um, but the pressure was always there. It was always there from a young age, from nine years old, when I signed for West Ham. The pressure was there because of my older brother. Um, but the pressure to be actually become a footballer and the pressure from the actual football club, it came to me about 17 when I signed my first professional contract. So when I started to earn like decent money um, and I hadn't played in the first team yet, then the pressure really started to kick in. Uh, we're paying you this money, you've not played yet. Um, it's time to start knuckling down and, and trying to get into the first team. And, and I didn't shy away from the hard work. I faced the hard work up. I faced um, anything that they threw at me. I faced it up and I dealt with it. And through that and being mentally strong enough, because you have to be mentally strong um, in this game, any athlete will tell you and will we'll put the equivalent to the NFL, to the English Premier League, to, to soccer and, and what you guys call football. Um, you're a commodity. You're, you're, you're looked upon as money. And if you're not delivering, then, then they're cutthroat. They will cut you. They will, they will say you're not good enough. And off you go. You've got to go and live a normal life. It's the same with, with soccer. It's the same with the English Premier League. If you're not good enough, they cut you. And you've got to go and live a normal life. But are you prepared for that normal life if you don't get it? If you don't get it? The only person really that I've seen a, a, a few of my friends actually who've been able to do it but they've had to go through certain um, things in their life to get into a place where they can actually um, feel like they're mentally stable to go and do something in, in, in normal life we'll call it um, but Io really is the only one who had a plan After he'd, when he got cut he had a plan and his plan was there and it's, it's come to fruition um, he went and studied in America at some of my greatest times over in South Carolina with you guys, coming over at weekends when we had no game uh, to come and party and, and see what it was like. What all the mo all the things that we watch in movies with the Red Cups in the college dorms and that, I was actually living it with, for you guys and it was fantastic. But I was the only one who had a plan. And as we know today, he's doing fantastically well. He, he's been successful in his own right um, because of his work, work ethic that was installed not only by his parents, but West Ham Academy. Yeah, I, yeah, testament to Io and, you know, really driven, motivated for sure. The guy's a, the absolute workhorse. And you know, I think that's really important. And like you're saying, sort of like similar in the U.S. at universities, establishments, it's it's different because it's it's not the exact same. But in these major brands, major clubs, you know, it sounds like they are, there's a lot that goes into that. And there's a lot of, you know, a lot of sort of regiment and, and training and, and discipline. So that's uh you know, it's great to hear. And West Ham is a strong brand. I mean, it's one of the it's one of the top clubs that's been in the Premiership most the majority of the time. I guess in and maybe out sometimes relegated. But during your time there, you know, you guys actually, I want to ask you because you know I didn't realize this until recently, and I've gotten really really into the the business side of of of, of sports and just seeing how it works. And it's fascinating. Even the MLS now, I think the minimum team is valued at five hundred million, and a lot of these. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think that's the right number. I think it used to be 25 million, like 
the minimum to come in and now it's around 500 and obviously the EPL right there on par with, with uh, NFL teams, even some of the biggest clubs that the more expensive, you know, valued at that man United's and some of these, these teams are the biggest in the world, but that playing game I did, I was reading to the, so West Ham was from the division below at one point, I think right around when you were what, 16, 17, 18. And that game is actually the most expensive game in the world. That playing game to get from. Yeah. Uh, it's it's the playoff game. Yeah, the I mean, that's game. gotta be, cause I, I, if I, if I'm not mistaken, I think you guys like one, two to one to get into the, the playoff and then you won one zero to get into the Premier League. Tell me a little bit about that game what that's like. And that's got to be immense, immense pressure. Well, how old were you when, when that happened? And like, what is going on? How does the manager, I mean, everyone's so much at stake. Cause if, if you don't make it in that the team could disband, you know, in terms of the contracts, what people are able to pay, what's on the line for you, what's on the line for everybody also to keep the unit probably more intact. Right. Cause if you get some yeah. of the guys at the premiership level or it's close, like if you, if they don't make it now, maybe they go to other teams. You lose. So how, how, I mean, I can't even imagine what the atmosphere was like and, and how much pressure is that? Yeah, it was crazy. There was like 90,000 people in, in there. I was 19 years old at the time, so I'm young. Um, it was my my second season in the first team. I'd made my debut in the first team at 18 years old, but I was 19 now. I'd played maybe 30 games. That was probably like my 30-something game for, for the first team. Um, and yeah, the pressure was immense, you know, because... As you say, it's the, one of the most um, expensive games. It, I think that game, that game today, is worth 150 million to one team. If yeah, I heard, it's million, I heard it's like is, it can it's, be as oh, big 200 as million. million. When, when when I played in it, when I played in it, what were we talking 17 years ago, something like that, maybe a bit longer than that, it was worth 50 million then. You know, the pound um, strong. I remember in 06 being a college student coming over with the, it was two to one on the dot to the dollar. So yeah. that, it's expensive still. Yeah, that was, that was big. So how do you, how do you guys, like, how can you possibly put that into perspective? You know, did you realize, does everyone know how big it is? Like, is a man, can you feel the energy? Is the manager tense? Are the players like, how, how are you feeling? Cause you know, what's at stake. So how do you, you know, what what's on your mind there? One game, one goal, one mistake could cost literally. I mean, that's stuff that, you know, talk about like World Series or NFL Super Bowls. Like it's up there. Like that's something people never forget. The people, you won the game, someone lost the game. I mean, that's a huge butterfly effect on everything. Like how, how do you, uh, you know, how do you think your mentality and I mean, also having a lot of responsibility playing center back. You know, you're kind of you're constantly one little touch to the left or right, a guy rips it in on you, and you're kind of you can get blamed for that. You know, how is uh, give me a little bit of a look at how you prepare or, or you just try not to think about it and block it out. What are, what are some things you do? I mean, you know me better than probably most people in terms of when it comes to football, because you used to ask, ask me a lot of questions about how I prepared for games. Uh, remember you've been quite intrigued in how I prepared for games and how I was. Um, I was just super focused, you know, I'd done my homework on the players I was playing against. I hated excuses. I never wanted an excuse. If I didn't play well, I didn't play well because I wasn't good enough on the day. I never ha I never wanted an excuse to say I didn't play well because um, I didn't prepare what, right. I, I didn't play well because I didn't sleep much last night. I didn't eat the right food. I don't tolerate that type of excuse for myself. So I always made sure that I was prepared right. I'd done my research on a player I was playing against. Um, so nothing was a surprise to me in the game. And... 
I went out there with no fear. I had no fear, Jeff. You know, I had no fear. It was, it was. I was born to do this, and this is what I'm going to do. And this is there, there's a team standing in the way of me playing in the best league in the world, and they're not going to be that. They're not going to be able to stand in the way of me. That's how I went on, out on the pitch. You know, I went out on the pitch in my head thinking I was the best player that was going to be on that pitch today. Um, and that's just the way that I was mentally. I was mentally driven. I was mentally strong. And and, and my footballing ego was there for everyone to see. I, would, I just, I knew I was a good player in my own right. And I, I just, there was things that I dreamt of, which was to play in the English Premier League, the EPL. And no one was getting in the way of that. And that's how I felt on that day going into it. So I was I was quite calm. Um, but I played in the FA Cup final, which is probably the oldest cup in world football. Um, I played in that game. It's a massive game that's viewed worldwide. I played in that game a year later and I felt more pressure in the playoff game than I did in the, in the, in the FA Cup final game. So that gives you a bit of context, context as to how, how important and how um, big that playoff game is. Yeah, and and is there something now? Because you mentioned you mentioned about you, you know well for, I want to I want to talk about as well the, the the management agency new era that you're involved with, which also I guess you know in terms of your, your the Ferdinand Football Group. Is this something? Do you feel that there's a lack of? Um, is that what you're truly trying to provide? Like for youth, is it is it for much younger or people that like are just coming into the level that you're at? Because it just seems like the mentality now there's so much about mental health, right? Like there's a lot, there's a lot on the line. I, I actually was at that, the final, uh, the FA or the, the euros, right. And the, and the, the penalty kick shootout. And I was in Wembley. I mean, that was, you know, that's heavy stuff. PKs um, there's, there's all kinds of stuff happening. It's, 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 it's a mental game. Like, is that something that you're taking experiences and you're trying to help people in general, like to learn about, like, even like coming in, you were 18, 19, 20. I remember we were going out to the nightclubs you know, it was crazy, right? Like it was absolute mayhem. But like, is that is that really what you're trying to do? Is focus and get people to to kind of be more prepared? Is that one of your one of your yeah your major driving forces? Yeah, definitely. I mean, with Ferdinand Football Group, it's more like so we have um, teams from that you come in from the age of four, you know, from the age of three. Sorry, you come in, um, and then we're going to be offering apprenticeships for for kids at at 16, when they finish school, if they want to do an apprenticeship with Ferdinand Football Group, they can. But our hashtag at Ferdinand Football Group is it's everybody's game. We're diverse, we're inclusive, you know, and, and things that I've been through in my career, I don't want the, the, the next generation and the young generation to go through through that. Um, and then into my day-to-day working job that I do where I mentor for global sports management, neuro global sports management, that's for the elite players, really. The players who play at the same level that I played at or higher. Um, for me to, to to try and guide them, um, to try and give them the best possible advice. You, you, like I say, you know me, Jeff. Um, my advice will only come from a good place. You know, um, I want people to do better than I did. You know, and, and um, if I can play a part in helping them get get more... Uh, appearances in the Premier League than I did play for their country more times than I did then then great I've done my job and and, and that's what I live for now is to see the next generation uh, thriving more than I did 
Yeah, it's 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 pretty it's it's amazing to look back. I mean, seeing how many years. I mean, ten years. That's a long. I don't know the average career in the EPL, but it's. I know in the NFL, it's like three seasons or something. I imagine there's a some turnover and stuff. I mean, and you know, looking back to to West Ham, he played 138 games. You know, five goals to the defenders. Some great memories, great runs. I think. I mean, West Ham was generally. What was your average finish there? Like you got you guys were usually. I mean, you were in the mix. I mean, you weren't like generally like almost relegated you were you were up there what was your do you remember your best season like what, what was the best finish um, we finished we finished seventh in the league uh my first year in the Premier League we finished seventh in the league and got to the final of the FA Cup of the FA Cup uh, I'd say that this um the West Ham team that all the 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 the, the United States are seeing today is a fantastic team that the the EPL lovers in in the US that watch West Ham today they're fantastic I think this is the only team that could really rival my team that played. We finished seventh in the league, you know. Um, this is the only team that's done better than, than than what we've done, you know. So we wasn't far behind this team, I would say, um, you know. But yeah, we we never ever I've never ever got relegated in my footballing career, and that's a, a stat that I'm very happy with. I've been in some relegation battles, but I've never been relegated. I saw another stat where I don't know if it was here or somewhere else, but it was it was interesting. They, oh yeah, okay, here clean sheets forty seven. I mean that seems that means out of the two hundred eighteen games in the Premier League, you put up the, the team like basically a quarter of the time scored zero goals. That's pretty crazy. I mean that seems like a shocking stat, honestly. Like that, I mean that's a lot that to go into the EPL and like a quarter of the time you go in and no one's scoring a goal and you're the center, you know, kind of captain of the of the back there. So what, I mean, that that's, that's impressive. What is that normal? Or is that, that seems like, cause I see goals happen all the time. Is that a, is that like a high percentage? It seems high. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a, that's a high percentage. I think a lot of people, because I was Rio Ferdinand's brother, who was the best over a long period, over a 10 year period, probably definitely in the Premier League, but I'd say in the world of football at defend, as a defender, um, because I was always compared to him, people forget how good I actually was. Um, you know, I, I um, prided myself on clean sheets and to get them clean sheets that you said in the English Premier League just tells you how, how hard I was willing to work and how, how much I was willing to put my body in the line to make sure that West Ham won games. Yeah, it's, 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 pretty, it's, it's pretty, pretty nuts. And, and looking back, though, I remember... Uh, a memory like is there is there any times that stand out because I know that I went to the the game with you it was the last game at Highbury between Arsenal and Man U it was 0-0 Thierry Henry you know and your brother there they, they tie 0-0 and I'll never forget after the game your you know your brother I, I, we're outside kind of waiting and then like Man U it's an it's a later and that they get on the bus everyone gets on the bus and they ride home and you remember that your brother stayed behind he didn't get on the bus. Then he shot into a cab. I remember going to a McDonald's with him. I think I shared a, a taxi with him and someone else. And then we were out, and at the, I have some pictures from that night in the nightclub. And like, yeah, what was, was you know, you probably didn't get to do too often during the times your schedules matched up. And it was during season, and it was the end of the game. Do you like that for me? I mean, obviously that was pretty crazy, right? Because he was, I mean, he arguably was the most famous, biggest player in the world, the captain and national team captain of Man U. Um, you know, that, that stands out for me because obviously I, it's your brother. Is there any other like memories like that? Like where you got to hang out or, or be together during your, during the top of your career? I mean, that's gotta be cool to be, be in the EPL. You're both in the EPL. It's not easy to do. There's not many brothers probably that are in the, the EPL together. Right. Like, I mean, is it one of a few? No. Yeah. We're one of a few. Um, not our schedules were always, um, the same. We always played on the weekend. We, 
we when we had family stuff going on, uh, me and Rio were never there. We were working. You know, that's how it was. That's what the sacrifice is. To be in an elite sport, you have to sacrifice. And sometimes that's, that means sacrificing parts of your family life. You know, we never done much whilst we were both playing at the top together. But now we're both retired. We both got our own families and we do more than we probably have done over the years. Um, and, and it's fantastic, you know. Um, we were always close. We always we always speak. We always spoke on the, 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 the phone, you know. And like you said, when you came to a game, um, he treated you like he'd, he'd known you for, for years, you know. You, you stopped off at a McDonald's, you went out. That was probably a rare occasion that we was able to do that. It was only really in the summer we was able to do that. Um, but through the season, that was probably one of the only occasions that we could actually do it. And I probably yeah. had training the next day, by the way, as well. So, but I would sacrifice. I would, I would think, okay, I want to go out with my brother. I haven't got a game for like another five days, so I, I'll go. And 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 that's how it was. For sure. And and what is uh. You know, in terms of being compared and, and all that, like that obviously is a lot of pressure, but it's also, you know, pretty cool to have your, your brother be be in that level, playing at the highest level. You know, what was some of the things that you think that he instilled in you that he taught you or showed you that there was, a, you know, an advantage that you believe maybe either rubbed off on you or just kind of you saw what it took? Is there anything that he really, you know, is there one or two things that just sort of you noticed and maybe you got from him that you would say over the years that, that was different than, you know, having an advantage in a way to, to be able to have the access to see and, and know his, his information. You believe it was take away the pressure. What, what was like some of the, the nice, the great parts about that? The, the good things were everyone that I was playing against in the Premier League had already played against them. So I could ring him and ask him what their, what their, um, what their strengths were, you know, and he would, the only game that he wouldn't do that was when I played against him. When I play against Man United, he wouldn't, we wouldn't talk. For that week leading up to the game, we wouldn't speak. Um, but being able to, to bring him and say to him, OK, you played against Thierry Henry, what is he like? You know, you played against Suarez, what was he like? You played against Torres, what was he like, you know? And, and I had the privilege to be, I had the, the beauty of being able to ring him as my brother to ask him that question. Um, and also just seeing his work ethic, seeing him seeing him become who he, who he did, being able to buy... A, our parents' homes and, and seeing what their faces were like when he gave them the keys to the house, it it made it put a drive in me. I wanted to see that face from my mum, from my dad, but because I had done something for them, you know, because I had bought them something, because I would worked hard and repaid them for everything they had done for us up to this moment. I wanted to see their faces glow with pride and happiness for me, not just for my brother, but for me and when seeing what that happened with my brother, the drive that I had in me uh, went to another level. Very cool. Um, I, I want to ask you about some of your, your business ambitions because, you know, looking at now, as we said, like MLS teams have shot up in crazy value. Sports is becoming, it's a big business. There's, there's so much, you know, in the U S with sports at legal at a federal level, there's sports betting it's there's fantasy you know, I think that's maybe becoming a little more popular over there. It's like huge here for NFL. I don't know if that's uh, EPL, if there's much, you know, David Fantasy yeah. Manager, these type of games. Is that something, do you have any interest in ownership and, and sort of like coming in? Because I, I know the guy, I'm going to get his name wrong, but there was a guy at Brighton as well. I think Tony Bloom maybe, but then there's, um, is that right? Is I'm it Tony sure. Bloom? I'm not um, sure. 
and but there, there's got there's another one Brentford or Brent like one of these teams that came up they they this guy who has a background yeah, yeah and they, they're now in the Premier League is there do you have interest is that something where you would be in, like to come in get involved with the club in the first second third division be a part of that sort of get involved and sort of build up is that do you, does that excite you does it interest you do you have anything like uh, like that that you be yeah. that, you're, that you want to do yeah definitely um you know, I'm ambitious. I think outside the box. Um, I like things that don't seem reachable to me. Um, and to try and get them as close to me as possible where I can grab them. You know, that's the way that I am. Um, being involved in the club in some capacity, um, you know, especially at board level, I don't want to be just involved in the club and working for a club day to day. I want to be somewhere where I can implement positive change, you know, whether that's feeling more inclusive from an ethnic minority point of view, um, helping the, the, the strive for more black coaches um, and, and stuff like that, where I can be part of the decision-making table. You know, if I can if I can get into a place of that where I'm part of that decision-making table, where I'm part of the board and I have a, a say in a football club, then, yeah, I, that's where I want to get to. Um, how long that will take to get there, um, you know, I don't know. But I'm, I'm working hard every day to try and get to that place. You know, I, I'm learning business. My, my business acronym has got better. Um, Anton the footballer is finished now. Um, I want to be known as Anton Ferdinand, the person who gives back to the next generation, to the people of his community, and 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 want to be known as an entrepreneur and and. That's what I'm working and striving to to be. Is, is that something as well? The Ferdinand Group that you're talking about is maybe kind of building it more along the way because I think you know I noticed obviously you remember you know Michael Phelps right we yeah we had, in London we hung out yeah obviously I, I lived with him for for almost eight years and you know same kind of thing right when you are at the highest level you're generally focused which is makes sense you're like super focused but there's still time you know you're playing video games. You're doing stuff right that like to find sort of to, to build adjacently the, this business knowledge and acting because I think this is something that you see it now there are major athletes that are really getting in to the right spots now where they're sort of building their portfolio not waiting till they retire but sort of building along as they're going you see an NBA you see some of the biggest names they're getting a crypto now and in these different deals and sort of like blossoming as they go is that is that really what what it is or is it more about support mental health or is, it, is that Fernand group the whole package where you basically are like look we're going to teach you business we're going to teach you life and we're going to help you kind of grow as a person not just become you know because athletes like you said are only a few percent of course make it right if that yeah. for, for, for me for, for me and Ferdinand football group it's when I when I address parents that bring their children to Ferdinand football group I'm like listen if, if football can do what it done for me you know, in terms of helping helping my family create the person. That's what football done with me. The, the size five football helped create the person that you see today. You know, and, and if it can do that, we might not get we might not get one successful Premier League player through through Fernand Football Group. That that's a fact. It might not happen. You know, if we do get one or two, then great, but it may never happen. But if I can sit here and say that we've created some good human beings. I'm happy with that, you know, and, and Fernand Football Group is more of a passion for me, you know. It is a business, but it is more of a passion for me, you know, where I can try and bridge the gap 
between the the the, um, the grassroots football, which is the Sunday league football, with the academy football and professional football, I'm trying to help bridge that gap where um, a lot of people do do use football as a as a way to to monetize and 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 make lots lots of money. And there's a lot of coaches making a lot lot of money um, off of families who are trying to to get their 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 son or their daughters into the best best academies by doing extra training. I want to try and bridge the gap where they don't have to pay for that. You right. know, and, and you know, I'm in talks with some organizations, some companies now, which hopefully will come in and, and finance the academy part of my my Ferdinand football group so that the kid the kids and the parents can have that for free. And then everyone's on a on a level playing field where there might be some families with low income you can't afford to do that, so their child is no their child ain't getting the same opportunities as the, as the families who who live a middle class life, you know. And and I want to try and bridge that gap because I believe everyone deserves that opportunity, you know. Um, I was able to get that, and I came from a, a um a, a a poor background, you know, and I was able to get that. Um, but now it's becoming harder and harder for people who are growing up in the same areas that I grew up. In. So if I can bridge that gap for everybody and have everybody on a on a play, on a on a level playing field, then I feel like I've done my job. But in terms of other businesses, you know, I, I'm into properties. Um, I enjoy property stuff. Um, I enjoy crypto. Um, I dabble a little bit. Uh, not nothing major, but I dabble a little bit. Um, obviously, NFTs is going crazy at the moment. You know, and and I'm learning about that. You know, and, and because I won't invest without learning. Um, so I'm learning about the moment. And when I feel more comfortable, then I'll be investing if I feel it's the right thing for me. Uh, but yeah. I'm, uh, listen, I, I, I want to be involved in business is my new thing. You know, um, it's, it's fun, right? Talk it, is. About, it, it's, it is. People, it is. people talk about. So as a footballer, as a soccer player who retired, the biggest thing was standing. And, and I'll give you a context to it. The, the biggest thing is standing in the tunnel before you go out to the game. So you're in a tunnel, a tight tunnel. You can't see nothing. You can't see the pitch. You can't hear. You can't see nothing, but you can hear everything. You can hear 70,000 fans shouting, screaming, uh, singing songs, but you can't see it. That buzz that you get, not being able to see something, but hearing, hearing it, but no, and anticipating what's coming. That's like a drug. It's like it's it's the hairs on the back of my neck just I'm not talking about it now. It's a drug, it's fantastic. When you retire, you need to try and get something that's it's nothing's ever gonna be that. But you need something that's gonna give you that type, uh, give you a buzz. And I found yeah. that in business. Just going to meetings, you know, I in my head I'm going to a meeting thinking I'm one meeting away from going there. You're yeah. always one meeting away from going there. I know, and I'm not stupid, I know not every meeting is going to be good. I know not every meeting is going to be um, successful, you know, but you're always one meeting away from going where you want to be. And that excites me, you know, that, that that's your adrenaline in me, that, get, that gets me going, um, you know, and, and I'm open to learning new things, you know. So, as I said to you, I want to be known as an entrepreneur, and, and that's, that's hopefully where I'm heading. Um, I got to, I'm going to, I got to put you in touch with my buddy who is, who's literally 
So he's from the UK. He's one. Of, you may even somehow have heard of him or seen him somewhere because he's a he's a poker player. But he's one of he's like a he's just a sharp sharp guy. He's obsessed with football. They started a, a club. I think you might there's like there's this one uh, football club that that's like I forget the name of it where it's like hashtag or something United yeah. where they built yeah, up yeah, this yeah. whole uh-huh. thing like a media company, right? So let me I'll show you real quick. Just I don't want to spend. I just want to give him a shout out and also. Just so, because I remember actually visiting you in Sunderland. I think that was the last time I saw you, like my yeah, decade ago. Yeah. You were playing there. We came up there in Newcastle's and Far. So my friend, they created a team. It's called in Newcastle Independent, and this is their thing, Goat on the Gram. But he basically, they're building a uh, from the bottom, right? Like literally from the bottom, they built building us. They got content. They they got a great team, and they're literally coming up through. But he, this guy, I'm begging him to let me invest. I don't like it's. They already have in their thing. But if you're looking for something that's kind of fun and to come in, he's just like he's the analytical guy. He's number one ranked player online poker player in the world right now. His name's uh, Patrick Lane. <coughs> also, he's a member of Party Poker uh, with me. Anyway, I, remind me about it because it's kind of fun. And I, for me, like there's nothing more exciting. Like to me, my goal. And I think almost anyone in business that loves sports is like, you know, at some point to own a club, right? Like it'd be just fun, you know, when you're in 20, 30 years that you are owner or part owner of like a major club. I don't know that maybe it's everyone's dream, right? I just feel like that would be the the kind of ultimate to like to, to now esports, right? There's, there's these, these opportunities, you start hearing about it and you know, it's, these are getting yeah. huge. So anyway, remind me about it, but it just, it just reminded me because of Newcastle, it's sort of, I know you were, you spent some time in Sunderland and I'm just, I just I wouldn't bet against this guy. If I could buy the stock right now, I'm sure this is they're going to be in the Premier League. I would bet or like the Championship in like ten years. So anyway, if you're in, if you're interested, okay. could be a way to get in at the ground and kind of fun. But um, you know, he, shout yeah, out to we'll, Patrick we'll, Leonard. We'll talk. We'll talk. We'll talk I'm a business. You know, I've always you remember me back in the day, man. I was on affiliate deals, and I, I've always been kind of you know cutting edge on what's yeah. happening. I like to to move. I was at poker. I'm still in, but you know, crypto is obviously more exciting. So yeah, we'll uh. After the after the podcast, love to chat a bit about sort of business and, and what you got going and, no, and, and what's going on. But um, let me and the, so uh, let's talk about a couple of adversities like this. This whole thing we, we mentioned briefly, South Carolina, you came you came several times, had a great time. Right. It's kind of fun. U.S. is completely different. Just like when I went to the U.K. first, you know, to London, it's like it's, it's just like, wow, this is completely different. setup. you come to, to South Carolina, a few good trips. But then the one that was sort of didn't go so well was when you you guys had a, a time off right a few days and then you you flew over you said you were going to some island or something nearby which you got permission for but you flew to South Carolina what this was 2007 so like we're a little bit before social media we're like camera phones and you could kind of get around and you're not just going to get like whatever nowadays forget it anyone anywhere doesn't like it's just like a thing it's on TMZ or whatever what was this like and, and was this you know, it sounded you got fined. I think forty thousand pounds or something, which is a lot of money. But what what was that like when you came over? I wish it, I wish it was I wish it was forty thousand pounds. Believe me, I wish. It's, okay, I so wish that's the number I saw, but it's not. It was there was more at stake than that. Yeah, huh? Tell me, tell me first of all, what happened when you went, went through your mind? Like you're like, all right, I'm gonna come. It'll be fun. It's a long trip though, too, right? There's probably like in your head, it's like, oh, it's a big deal if I'm in here, or here, but kind of makes sense because it's like the the time zones, a lot of travel in a short period. You're at your high like. Give me, give me a little bit of a background story and, and looking back, how was this like, wow, not a big deal or like, man, this was dumb to do? Uh, I sit here now and say it was dumb, um, but I still say what a great time I had. 
it was worth it, I'd say. Um, the, the English Ballers Bash, right? The, the South yeah, remember. Yeah, it, it was actually coming around my 21st birthday, it was as well. Yeah. Um, and remember, we, it was what's a nightclub called Sharkies. It was Sharkies, isn't it? Good memory. Yeah. I forgot that name. Yes, in uh, Five yeah, Points, in South Columbia, South Carolina. Yeah, Here's points. a you know Premier League yeah. player coming over. Couple guys actually. I think there were a couple players. I don't know if they got mentioned or not. Yeah. But over there, and uh, yeah, tell me what ensued and, and how did that actually come about? Because I think part of the logic was, man, U.S. doesn't respect football. English, like this is 2006, the English Premier League, which is the biggest in the world, but no one knows really people in you know football I could because I could just come and be a normal kid that's what it was I could just come and be I was just about to turn 21 I just wanted to be a normal kid for for a weekend no one don't know who I am you know I can do what 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 you guys are doing just living you know and I, that's what I wanted to do for my 21st birthday the previous year I remember I had a party in South Carolina the previous year around the same time um so I knew it was doable. Um, even though we had the weekend off, I knew it was I knew it was doable. I would leave. If we had if we had Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. I could leave. There was always a business flight on Friday on Thursday evening uh, from one of the the airports in London to New York, and then I'd transfer to to Charlotte. Um, it's an aggressive trip. That is a long way, though. You gotta fly over, take a connection, and then from Charlotte, it's like an hour, two-hour drive. So I mean, this is like you know, yeah. fly to New York City, go out for the That's, night. That but, was the only, yeah. That was the only that on the way there, but on the way back, I used to take the flight from Charlotte. From the, there was a flight direct from Charlotte to to um, to London, but I had okay, to get nice. that business flight to New York. Otherwise, I would have missed the day. So I had to get that business flight to New York on a Thursday night to make sure that I was in in the U.S. by the Friday, you know. Um, so then at least I got like two days. And I and, and when you got back, was it already like on the table, or did they sit you down when you got there, or did it come out a little after? How did that go? Like it came out. It came out. It came out three weeks after the party, man. You know, um, I had a party, and unbelievable. It was an unbelievable party. You would know you was there. It was unbelievable. Um, and when I, I alluded to earlier, my mine was probably the was the first of like the social media, but without social media, um, there was an actually, actually a, a, an American West Ham fan who went to South Carolina University was in the party, was actually in the party, and he he after the, the that night he went on all the fan blog sites on on the internet and was like, I just come back from an Fernandez party in South Carolina. It was unbelievable. Da, da, da. Gave a bit of context to what it was, and um, yeah, man, it, it just went from from it went from here to here, like very very quickly. Within a couple of weeks, uh, the newspapers in England had got hold of it, um, and and they rang the they rang the club to ask if if I had gone there because we were in a relegation battle at the time. We weren't doing particularly well, which made it even worse that I'd gone. Right. And uh, they had asked if I'd been, and the press woman came to me at West Ham and said, "Have you been to America?" I went, "No, no chance of going to America." <laughs> and she went, "Okay, well they're asking me. Like, I know you went, but they're asking me." I went, "No, I never went. They went. I know you went, but they're asking me where did you go?" And I just said, "I went to go and see my nan and granddad in the Isle of Wight, which is like an hour away from 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 uh, from England. Not even that." Um, and it's like, okay, and 
that became the story. Anton lied and said he went to go and see his sick nan and granddad. So, uh, like they said, that my sick nan and granddad. And boy, that that um, that story blew up, man. It was, it was it's it was crazy. crazy. Right? Yeah, I mean you. You experience it. You've seen it. I mean, Rio's under a microscope. You as well. I mean, I see that. Like, it's crazy, right? It really is. Like, people are just looking, though. Do you feel that's true in media? They, they're looking to build you up to bring you down? Like, cause, I mean, is this part of, like, the, the industry? Is that how you feel? Or how do you perceive, like, the UK, like, the media over there the in U- general? The UK media is like that 100%. Uh, they build you up to knock you down. Um, they say you're the best. You're going to be this. You're going to be that. The minute you do one thing wrong, they cut your legs off, man, from underneath you. Uh, but you, if you're stupid enough to give them the reason to do that, then they're going to do that. You know, that's how it goes. And, um, you know, um, would I change what I've done? No, I wouldn't. Um, would I tell a young player coming through now not to do it? Yes, I would tell them not to do it because it cost me a lot, a lot of money. I got fined six weeks wages. So that was two weeks wages for three months because you can only get two weeks wages fine per month, so it was two weeks wages for three months. I got on the bouts, I got fines and, uh, but I'm here to tell the story. Yeah, uh, so yeah, I mean, I guess, again, you're, it's also young and yeah, it's sort of, uh, it's it's a crazy, it's it's crazy that it got like that much, that it happened like that, but it, again, it makes sense. There's rules for a reason. Also, people are looking out for the best interests, a lot of travel, a lot at stake. Um, you know, tell me, tell me a bit about your, your journey through the different teams. So you're at West Ham. I mean, look at this, this run here. So you're there from the youth team. I mean, this is a long time. You're there in 94, come through the system, actually stay in the main system. You guys are in the EPL. And then what was it like sort of, give me just like kind of a brief transition in these things. Cause how is it to move from your, your sort of like what, you know, where you grew up your thing. And then when it actually is like, I'm getting transferred to Sunderland, you're still a premier league team. What, like, what was this? You played a lot of games there. What was this like? Because, I mean, now you're out of London. You're in a different place. You know, I don't know. Obviously, in the U.S., there's New York City. You know, there's L.A., like the major cities. And then there's, you know, listen, there's Green Bay Packers. There's other clubs that are great or, or, or things, but it's different sort of lifestyle. And, and just change in general to have to move, take your stuff, new team, new manager, new everything. How is, how is transitioning through? Um, give me a couple. I mean, this is obviously the biggest one, probably the first one. You know, but then there were some other different different changes. What was this like to, to move from West Ham? Yeah, it was hard. It was the first time I'd moved away from my family home, uh, from my mum, my dad, you know, my brothers and my siblings. Uh, first time I'd moved away. I had to grow up, um, you know, and I'd, I'd moved. Uh, Sunderland had bought me for, for £8 million pounds. Um, just for some context, today that value we're talking thirty million pounds probably today in today's game. Um, Eight million pounds probably thirty million pounds today. Um, so it was a lot of money, a lot of pressure I came with that price tag. I was there to make them better, but I was a kid who who'd left his hometown and and had to go and um, grow up, you know. And and as I say the club helped me a great deal. Uh, a lot of pe- a lot of good people at Sunderland. Um, the player liaison Nadia, she was fantastic. She become like a second mum to me. Uh, the mas- one of the masseuses, Billy, who who sadly is not with us anymore. You know, um, he was like an uncle to me. If I needed anything done, if I needed help with anything, them two really were the two people who who I could really count on. Um, you know, and and they took that that 
that pressure off of me in, in terms of my away from football if I needed things done, if I was need to learn how to do something, they would teach me. You know, so they were fantastic to, for me. And I have fun, fun memories of, of, of um, playing for Sunderland. You know, um, you came up there and, and spent uh, quite a bit of time um, yeah. in Newcastle, at my house in Newcastle, you know. And, yeah. and um, you know, um, you saw how, how much I enjoyed it when you came. You know, uh, we lived a good life. We, um, I probably partied more up there than I did when I was in England, when I was in London, sorry, when I was in London. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I just, it was just something that I I felt I needed to do at the time. Um, I didn't want to leave West Ham, um, but I felt like I needed to and, and I needed to go and grow up. Things had happened in my career off the pitch uh, that I needed to not let happen and some of that was having to move away from London, you know, uh, but I still didn't want to go. Uh, the club half forced me out uh, because they needed the money. Um, and that was the end of it. I, I, I said anything that came my way, I dealt with it head on, you know, and, and, and I made the best, the best, um, I made the best version of any negative situation. I messed up, I made the best but, the best version of it. And that's what I've done throughout my life and throughout my career. Absolutely. And, and tell me a bit about what like your team consisted of and it consisted of, consists of, and what you would maybe have done, do differently now that you have the experience and looking back, like, was it, oh, I should have had a manager. I should have had an assistant. I, or did you? And what about like an agent? Cause this is something that having real, I would imagine, who is dealing with the, you know, most, almost everyone in professional sports yeah. have agents. So like, did you already, was it kind of like you were, you were tucked in where it's like you had good support yeah. you, or were you like kind of, was it, cause that's gotta be stressful too with, with these deals. These are major yeah. deals. There's a lot going on, like, cool. you know, transfer fees and this and that. So yeah. Tell me a bit about that management agency. I had, I had, uh, I had an agent at the time. His name was Penny Sahavi. He's one of the biggest agents in, right. in world football. He's the one who actually done that deal from uh, West Ham to Sunderland. Um, you know, it was, um, but yeah. He's real he, agent as well. I, I know that name. He's yeah. one of the, he's one of the biggest yeah, agents there was. Yeah. Or, so any, anything to do with Neymar, anything to do with Neymar, Tevez, he's involved. Any big deal that happens in football, he will be involved somewhere along the line, 100%. Um, but it was like, so he was my football agent, you know, um, and that was it. Now people have a team for their football, a team for their for their um, their media, a team for their home life. You know, that's the way it goes. I never had that. I had an agent and that was it. And I had family. That was it. Um, so, yeah, there was none of that. If, like, it's different now. Um, as I say, I mentor. Players have mentors now. I had a mentor in Rio, but Rio was a way player and trying to be the best he could be. So, you know... Um, he had to be selfish to be the best. You know, he'd, he'd, he'd help me out from time to time uh, with, with, with advice or when I was playing against a play, I would ring him and he'd tell me about the player and stuff. But in terms of being a constant mentor, you know, and, and, and trying to differentiate that, that brother and, and, and a mentor, you know, because he was my brother at the end of the day, you know, and want to keep that brotherly... Um, relationship rather than just oh every time I speak to him it's about football it's about it's about men, him being a mentor like 
You know, you, you don't know how far you want to push that because he's your brother at the end of the day. Um, right. But he was he wanted to be the best and he had to be selfish to be the best and I understood and accepted that. Um, sure. But I didn't, I didn't have no... And this is why I'm so passionate about doing what I'm doing now in terms of the mentorship to the next generation and, and trying to make sure players don't make the same mistakes as I did because I wish I had that. Yeah, uh, no, it's, it's 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 amazing how much it's evolving and just all these different things you got to realize like there's it's, it's interesting because a lot of players still probably don't have the proper help or the proper system in place. And it's so hard because you're practicing, you're training, you're, you know, you're just kind of going and it's it's tough to have someone sort of sit you down and take your you're tired too, right? You train, you do all stuff. It's like, all right, I want to relax a little bit and not necessarily just be flooded with business or all these other side side situation uh and let's let's jump over to qpr because this is where you go then you bounce you go from sunderland you head over to qpr you're back this is in london i'm not less familiar with the club but this is a there what, what which part of london is this in they're in west london they are. west london so now you go from you know kind of outside of london you're back in london and you know what was how is this like obviously you have this this incident that happens with with john terry huge case it's a documentary um, you maybe you can tell people where they can see that because I know this was very well reviewed um, and 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 uh, well received from people, and this was a big deal. I mean, this was uh, also pretty crazy, right? Because John Terry, who you could argue him and Rio, kind of the two pillars, right? They were side by side for I don't know a decade or more. Captain in between Rio and and, and John Terry, Chelsea, Man United, the big guys, right? This is like him and Rio are the pillars of English football, and. Now your brother, who's with side by side with him, you guys have this crazy incident. I mean, what was? I don't want to. I know you talk about this probably a hundred times. You've done a documentary. People can watch this. So I don't want to spend a ton of time on this. But I guess tell me a little about QPR, and then tell me about you know just quickly, uh, sort of explain what happened with this and how did this sort of like mentally? How was this to like be like wow this guy? Because I remember he wrote like he's writing jersey, signing you, talking to me maybe on the side, or you guys have had words. Obviously, yeah. there's respect you know at some level with within or how you believe there's a respect between him and Rio and this whole thing is, was it just kind of like got to be shocking and explain a bit about this, if you don't mind. I'm yeah, sorry. I know you talked so, about probably a hundred times. No, it's fine. Um, so I uh, left Sunderland to go back to London and, and signed for QPR. QPR just come up to the, to the Premier League for the championship and I wanted um, some experienced defenders. Um, so I, I came, I, I went to, um, to QPR was having a fantastic time. Um, and then we were playing a derby, uh, Chelsea versus QPR. It's a massive, massive West London derby. Uh, John Terry plays for, for Chelsea. I play for QPR. Uh, you put into context that obviously I've known, I know, knew John Terry for a long time through him playing with Rio for many years. Um, and we was on the pitch and uh, we was beating them at the time and something happened and um, he allegedly racially abused me. I have to use the word allegedly because he was found not guilty in the court of law. Uh, but the video is there for everyone to see. Uh, the camera panned in on his face when he was uh, allegedly saying a, a, a racist slur uh, that he was later um, acquitted in, 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 in the court of law for. Um, I've, I've since then, that was 11 years ago now. And I've... Um, I've since then made a documentary about it uh, because at the time, at the time I didn't speak up. I didn't speak up at the time. Um, I didn't speak out um, for reasons that if you did go and watch documentary, 
Um, you can see it, the documentary aired, aired on BBC iPlayer. And I think for those in the US, you, you need to to um, change your location to, to get it. But I would say it is worth a watch to, to try and understand and see how big the situation was. It's, it, I think it's probably the biggest racism um, incident within soccer worldwide, you know. Um, the only other one that, that that's definitely bigger than it, I would say, is um, Colin Kaepernick's um, situation. Uh, but other than that, I'd say this is probably the, the, the second biggest in terms of sport that's happened. Um, and, and this incident saw a downturn in my footballing career. I never played in the Premiership again after, and I was made to leave and go and play in, in a foreign country because people in England, clubs in England, didn't want to um, didn't want to be associated with me. And and when this when this actually this when this when this happens in the moment though, because did you actually? I've seen the video. You know, it looks pretty apparent. Uh, you know, you can see it and all this. But did you did you hear it? Like, was it like a thing at the moment? And I mean, people say stuff like you played a lot of you've been playing a long time and was it I mean people say stuff people get heated but like was there and does this stand out as like was there I mean really like not no one's ever said something quite like this or was it was this just like out of bounds or is this do people because people they're slang in the UK too and people say these words and you wank this and that but like I mean this was this was flagrant was it at the moment like were you like what was this shocking or have you heard similar things or just from his stature and the whole situation like what give me a little more like how, how, no, um, I I never heard it at the time, and and you know that's what that's what allowed people to control my narrative on on the situation because I because I never heard it and it was just a video that everyone could watch, you know, um, and make out of it what they wanted to make out of it. Um, so I never heard it at the time. My reaction would have been really different. Um, it would have been majorly different if I'd heard it. Um, but um, it's not when you're talking about a racial slur, an alleged racial slur. You know that's not known. That's not heard of. That's that's not something. Yeah, you see, you hear people say, "Are oh, they having banter and saying stuff?" But anything to do with someone's race, it, it is for me. It's yeah. not banter. Um, for me, course, it's not tolerated. Exactly, yeah. it's it's not tolerated, and it's something that shouldn't be in sport. Is it in sport? Yes, it is. Um, is it? Does it seem to be getting better in 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 soccer? Um, it seems to be in terms of player on player and 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 it being um, out there in terms of at, at the stadiums where the fans are, are saying racist remarks. Um, it, it has got better. Is it where we want it to be? No, it isn't. Uh, but where is alarming? Is on social media. Social media presence of the presence of of racism and discrimination of all forms on social media is something that is alarming, um, and is something that I've I've been in talks with Twitter, um, Instagram, you know, about the social media abuse because I was impacted by it. You know, I I was receiving tens of thousands a day, daily, of racial abuse, daily, for a good two, three years. You know, I can pick up my phone today and it won't go, 
a week, two weeks without a racial slur coming onto my page. You know, that's just, if I say the wrong thing or I mention anything to do with Chelsea, 100% I'm going to get a racial slur. That's just the way that that my social media is now. Um, but as I, as I alluded to earlier, and I said um, just a minute ago, the Twitters of this world, the Instagrams of this world, the Facebooks of this world, until they're willing to make change, until they're, will, they're willing to say, yes, okay, we're going to stamp this out, it's never going to go anywhere. And and I think the only way to get rid of that is to, for there to be ID verification, you know, and so people can become accountable for what they're doing. You know, at the moment, they're not being held accountable for what they're doing, and, and that is a big problem. People can can open an account just to abuse someone, and they shouldn't be able to. That, that's you a know, great point. I, think, I haven't thought about that specifically, but similar to with crypto and blockchain, with IDs and you have to verify. It's like, yeah, why, why, you know, I guess for padding stats, but there's so many fake accounts and bots too, all this stuff. Like, yeah, why not? Why, you know, take it the extra step. I guess obviously it's not, it's not black and white because there is probably some, some, you know, they could argue that some places people couldn't have, you know, verification or it's hard for them where they live. Maybe they're living in a country that's poor, but maybe there's, maybe then it's just, look, you can have an account, but, but you can't there, comment. But, there's, you know? but there's, an, there's an ID verification route through, bank, right. through your banking. There's one. No, I, I understand. I'm just saying, let, let's take like, uh, you know, countries, parts of the world where they don't have, you know, listen, I went, I, the one drop, uh, I went down to. I'll get you. I'll get you. I'll get you. Know you. I'll get I agree you. though. There's still ways that you can, you can do stuff yeah. or at least like make it where there's of like, course. all right, if you want to comment, you got to figure out, you got to do this. Maybe you can have an account, but you of can't. Course. Right. Yeah. If you, so if you want to, if you want to, if you want to talk to people who have um, verified their page, you have to verify your page. I'm not talking about blue ticks now. I'm talking about yeah. society as a whole, the world as a whole. Everyone yeah. can verify their page to know that this is them. You know, yeah. what, so you're accountable for your actions on your page. Right, so it's you a know, lot harder to, talk, done, to chirp and talk, talk if, uh, yeah, exactly. it's like you, camera, exactly. you can't just say whatever you want on the field. And, and exactly. yeah, there's got to be accountability. I agree. I think that's, uh, exactly. I mean, there, and there's room to improve and get better. And, and that's, that's, uh, that's and, and the tech, the text there, and I'm not being funny. And I've said this to Twitter. I've said this to Twitter USA. I've said this to, um, to the CCO or the COO. I can't remember. Yeah. The COO of Twitter, uh, Sarah Parson. I've said this to her. Um, you telling me that you can't, you can't um, stop people from tweeting, like you know, like on Twitter, you get 160 characters. If you go over the 160 characters, you you can't physically press the tweet button. You know, if you say something that you shouldn't be saying on social media, you should be able, you shouldn't be able to press that tweet button. And people will say to me, yeah, but how can it can't pick up the context of your of your tweet? It can't pick up the context. Of course it can. We're living in an era now where we've got predicted text. So for it to predict your sentence, it must know the context that you're typing in. No? So if it can do that, surely they can pick up the context of if they use the word black or, the, or if it's something to do with a woman and doing the iron or, or the kitchen or the cooking, they'll know whether they discrimination it because they know the context of that of that that sentence, because they must have that through the, the powers of, of being able to 
to, to, to know what I'm going to type in my sentence, you know? Um, so it always goes back to them for me. Do they really want to make change? And at the moment, they don't, and that's the problem. It's, that's powerful. No, it's true, and it's, it's powerful. I mean, that's what I'm saying. You, got, you have a platform, and people are listening to the documentary. I, I got to say, I have... I am. I have not seen it. I want to see it. I have heard a lot of people review it. I am going to watch it. I'm going to watch it this week because I, I just know. Um, you know, obviously, I know you, and I know the the right side here. But uh, and I'm on your team. I just it's just pretty crazy. To me, it's just it's a bit it's a bit wild the whole situation, and that we're we're still in this day and age that there's stuff like this can happen, and people can sort of get away and skate by. So you know, it sounds like you're on the right track and doing that. Do you want to take a few questions from Twitter? Tell me, I know you got to go here pretty soon. Are you like, do you have to, do you have to run or do you have a few, can we take a few questions? Yeah, I've, I've got like, I've got like five minutes. Okay. Um, all right. I'm going to, I'm going to, we'll, we'll take a few of these Twitter. I'll do this giveaway. And then also let me just real quick. Uh, yeah. Let me just grab a couple of these ones. So let's see. Uh, I got to ask, did you ever consider playing in the, the MLS in the United States? And what is your view on the MLS? And how it's progressed over the last five or ten years. Yeah, I loved it, the MLS. I like watching it. Um, I actually trained with Chicago Fire about three and a half weeks in an off season. I was still contracted to Reading at the time, but I trained um, with them for three and a half weeks. And and if I would would have been out of contract, um, I, I would have signed for them. I had a fantastic time in in Chicago. Chicago is a, a fantastic city. Um, I loved every minute of that I had there. Uh, met some great people, made some great friends who I still speak to now um, from across the pond. So yeah, uh, Chicago Fire would have been my team I would have been playing for if I would have signed. Um, but and that was about what six, seven years ago. So yeah, man. But I, I like to watch the MLS. Obviously, Bradley Wright Phillips is, is is a good friend of mine who I've watched for many years play over there and, 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 and do very, very well, you know, and, and there's other players over there that Nedham and I went over and played for Salt Lake. Um, Liam Ridgewell played for the Portland Timbers. Um, not Timbers, sorry, uh, Portland. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, um, I, I take an interest into, to, to, into the MLS and, and I, I like, I, I like that because I, I trained with, with, with Chicago, I like the way the game's played. I like the way people train. I like the, the dedication. Um, it mirrored me as, as a player. So I, I was invested. I'm invested in, in the MLS. Very nice. Yeah, and shout out to Brad Gazan, who was in the MLS, came over and played. You know, he was at South Carolina. Very, very great guy, great work. He's been on the podcast as well. And he actually, you know, I think he played at Aston Villa for, for a decade. Yeah, he did. He was, uh, he did. You know, he's a beast. That guy's an absolute beast. U.S. men's national team keeper. Uh, I've been on the team. So, yeah, shout out to Brad. <coughs> there. What Can you foresee the day when U.S. football, soccer, reaches parity with football in Europe? What would it take for the U.S. to make the jump to world-class levels? What? Why do you think – what's the, what's the reason? And, and uh, is, is it, you know, keep a straight face. I can edit. You can tell me your real thoughts. Don't, don't just let go. Can U.S. get to the top? And why has it been sort of a slow journey for U.S. soccer to catch up to European? The salary cap is the biggest problem. You know, having a player in your team who's on five million five million dollars a year, sitting next to a, a, a somebody who's on seventeen thousand dollars a year, so this, it, that just don't make sense. It, it, it's 
it's hard to even comprehend just saying it out loud, you know? I think I understand why the salary cap has been put there because of what happened in previous years. So I understand that. But now we're talking about a game which is 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 national, it's worldwide. You know, we're talking about a game that um, endorsement, because we know endorsement is, is, is the main um, financial power within in the US when it comes to sports. When you when you package that with wealthy owners who want to own football clubs, you know, you've got to look at the likes of Bex, David Beckham, you know, with, with, with Miami. He's not the only one who, who's going to want to own a football club in, in the MLS, you know, and he's got powerful people behind him. He's got big, deep pockets behind him, you know. So um, when you combine the two, I think, you know, I think MLS... I've got the opportunity to go and become big and I think it needs to just spread its wings. At the moment, they've still got that fear of maybe of what happened in years previously where they had to fold because of financial problems. But now we're, we're dealing with a different animal now. It's a different beast now, you know, and, and a lot more Premier League teams are coming over in the summer to come and play. The sport's getting bigger in, in the US, which is fantastic. And because there's more eyes on the MLS now, there's no reason for the MLS to be to become a, a, a sporting brand that will need to fold anymore. You know, there's the security there because ultimately the most important people are the fans, and and there's a fan following of the MLS, and and I think that's why at the moment we don't see it where it should be. Whereas I think in 10, 10 to fifteen years time, it has the capabilities to be to be massive and be big. And, and as yourself, like, so your career, as your, <clears throat> excuse me, people are kind of transitioning. There's different clubs, different places in the world you can go. You've been to Turkey. There's other areas you can go and play. There's some clubs with big money and, and they do pay, pay well. MLS is, where would you rank it though for someone? You see a lot of the big names going over and making their sort of farewell tour in the U.S. Is that something desirable? Like, is that what people are now kind of like, oh, I want to go to play in the MLS, yeah. would you say that's like a desirable location to sort of end your career now? For in general, is that like, yeah. you feel that way? Yeah, I think, yeah, definitely. I think a lot of people are looking at it more. Um, and there's two aspects, you know, uh, the top players can go there when they're older, when they're coming towards the end of their career. But as you see, some of them have gone there and struggled because of the pace of the game in MLS is, is, is frightening. It's very, very quick. So you've seen players go over there and struggle. Um, but then you got people like Bradley Wright Phillips who who went over there. who wasn't doing as well in English game and and went over to the MLS and he's carved out a career that a lot of people will be proud to have, and that's credit to him. Um, also, like so, I think younger players are going out there now. Drew Yearwood, Drew Yearwood, who's at the M, uh, he's at New Red Bulls. He was a young player playing with me at South End. He's now playing in in the MLS for the for the new Red Bulls and doing very, very well. Um, so a lot of younger players are starting to go out there. I heard young players who, who are in the, the championship, who are in League One, who are who are good players, if they've got an opportunity to go and pave the way and, and be uh, um, someone who that state look up to. So like Drew Yearwood's in New York. He People in New York who follow football, they love him. You know, there's more people that love him and, and get behind him in New York than they do 
in South End or in England. So if you've got the opportunity to go and be a cult hero in a state which some states, especially if it's a state that's bigger than London or bigger than England, you know, so you've got the opportunity to go and do that, go and do that, you know, and, and things that can come off the back of that. And especially with America, where you can monetize so much with endorsements, I think. If you're if you're well versed and, and you're someone that does well in your sport, um, America is the place to be because, as you know, it's endorsement driven, and 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 I think, especially being English and you know in, uh, Americans love the English accent and uh, the English love the American accent, so it's like, you know, um, it's a match made in heaven. Yeah, it works well. All right, well, love, I know you got to run, so I'm gonna the just real quick tell me we got a fifty dollar giveaway for engagement i'm gonna hit the the button on your command when you tell me we're gonna choose a winner thank you for all the questions on twitter i did ask some of them throughout and you know hopefully we'll have you out again on the future maybe you know this is this podcast gonna go for another decade or so i feel like you are just getting beginning in your career your business career you know hopefully one day we'll be we'll be owners of a club maybe together partial who knows you know we'll talk about that in the more more fun uh, future of business, but real quick, you tell me when to choose a winner. Someone's Jeff, $50. Jeff, just putting it out there in the verse, man. You're putting it out there in the verse, and you're putting it out there, man. I'm, 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 I'm coming. I was coming, come with me, man. I'm, I'm, I'm going. I'm, I, every day, man, moving forward. Like you said, big, good meetings, bad means It's all part of the process, and you know, I, it's cool. exciting. It's fun. So, you tell me when I'm going to choose a winner. Someone's going to win 50 US. I might, I'm going to make it pounds. You know what? I'm going to convert it to, I'm just going to make it 100 US. Feeling so hundred dollars, well, whatever that is in pounds, I'll give him a hundred dollars. You choose a winner, tell me when I'm gonna pick it right now. Oh, press it now. Boom, there it is. I'm, I'm sure. Let's see who gets it. I'm gonna message them on Twitter. We got my man. Oh, he's 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 masked up, he's protected. We got we got Hanio 75. You just won a hundred dollars. I'm gonna message you, my friend. Oh, he's won before. Some guys have all the luck. Look at this. This guy's won giveaways in the past, wow. but good for him. He wins again. And Anton, I know you gotta run, man. Cheers. Thank you so much. Last question. Who's the best center back in the world right now? The best center back in the world right now? Ooh. Ruben Diaz or Tony Rudiger. Okay. I just learned something new. And last, and I'm letting you go. I'm cutting you. I know I'm way over my time. Who wins the Champions League this year? Last question. I'm going to end it. I'm just going to click the button. I, I know you're, I'm already over my time. Who's winning it? Ooh. I don't know, man. The Champions League. Oh, that's an odd one. Man United, Man United's, uh, I'm sorry, Man, no uh, Man City's the favorite. Man and, City and got a good chance. Bayern's um, good. It'll be, I reckon it'll be Bayern or, or Man City. All right. That's it. You're picking, you're not, you're, you're not picking a dark horse here. That's those are the two favorites, but I, I like your opinion. I trust your opinion. <laughs> I appreciate you. I will message you on the side. Look forward to, to, to chatting more and hopefully diving in some business and shout out to my boy, Definitely. Patrick. Winner. I'm going to put you in touch. Just don't forget me. Just, just bring it. Like I, I know you guys are on the same Never. side. Never. I want to come with, don't leave me. I want to be a part of that, that process. All right. No problem. Thank you Cheers, very much. Man. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate you. See you All the best to you and your family. Love. Thank you so much. You too, man. Love to the family. You too, brother. Thank you. Thank you, Anton. All right, guys. That's Anton yeah. Ferdinand, number 159 in the books. we got the NFL safety for the Detroit Lions, Will Harris tomorrow, number 160. Big pods coming up. Really, really insightful. Appreciate the time. And again, Anton, I've known 15 years. Great guy. He always brought me in from before even right when he met me. He's just one of the real ones. So 
Uh, give him a follow. Check him out on the socials, on Instagram, Twitter. And as he mentioned, he is involved with a lot of projects. So give him a follow and best of luck to Anton. Thank you so much for the time. And we'll see you tomorrow on the podcast with Will Harris. Thanks for listening to this episode. It was brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes.